Songs are powerful. Songs have a way of moving us with that music, but in the process, this message in the song can get ingrained in us. Welcome to the Bible Studies for Life adult podcast. This podcast is hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. Now, Chris, I can remember songs I haven't heard in years. What about you? Yeah, you know, one of the questions that we ask, Lynn, is, is there a song that gotten stuck in your head and you know we're in the we're in the holiday season so there may be some christmas carols um or some goofy christmas songs that that are a part of that uh, the the song that comes to my mind when i think about that is a song called red rubber ball um that was done <laughs> a lifetime ago and uh the reason it stuck in my head was uh it was it was a song that was played on a loop in a uh, kind of a uh, a holding pattern, and I just remember that somebody that I was dealing with, probably an insurance company or something, they just kept playing that song over and over again, and I was shocked that I've, that song was just kind of always stuck there. Being Christmas, I I, I didn't think red rubber ball. I thought you were going to mention the red Christmas shoes. <laughs> Well, this We're in this study of the name of God, and with this particular Bible study, we're going to be in the book of Psalms, and the book of Psalms is full of songs, and it's uh, the messages in those is far different than a red rubber ball. They're powerful passages. And today, I want us to look at one of these passages that points us to the majesty of God's name. So we are looking at, uh, at God's name uh, as a focal point in the sessions that we're looking at in December. Um, our, our session, our uh, study title is A Name Like No Other. And so we'll be looking at passages that make references to uh, the name of God and the significance of God's name. Uh, great to have Chuck Lawless with us. Chuck wrote the content for the daily devotional guide. Uh, Chuck is is a professor at Southeastern Theological Seminary and does some other interesting things that we'll talk about today. Chuck, good to have you with us today. Hey, thank you. Good to be with you. Now, Dr. Lawless, you are also uh, vice president of spiritual formation there at Southeastern. Tell me exactly what you do as a vice president for spiritual formation. (laughs) Yeah, let me tell you where that started, uh, Lynn. Some some years ago, our president, uh, Dr. Danny Aiken, just was uh, convicted uh, that we need to be an institution that's not only a Great Commission institution leading people to go to our neighbors and the nations, but we want to make sure we're producing graduates who particularly know how to pray and lean on God and do, do much of what the psalmist did in just turning to God. And so Dr. Aiken made the commitment to do that. We adjusted my roles here at the seminary so that I could take on that task. And so I help oversee prayer initiatives on the campus. Uh, we pray for missionaries every chapel service. Uh, we, we send to our professors every week uh, the name of an unreached people group to pray for uh, in their classes that week. And so uh, we're trying to do a number of things to make sure we're producing graduates who know their stuff, but uh, who know God uh, in the midst of all of that. So, Chuck, we don't want to leave you out. Uh, any songs stick in your head? Yeah, you know, <laughs> you may not want to know this, but what's ringing in my head right now is Jeremiah Was a Bullfrog by 
Three Dog Night, I think. Three Dog I'm Night. I'm seriously Good. dating myself, but that song, if it played once, it played a hundred times a day back then, and it's stuck there. Yes. Now you all have brought that up, and it's going to mess with me the rest of the day. I think. <laughs> But that so far has been the closest to a really spiritual song because at least it mentions Jeremiah. Well, fair enough. That's go. good. That's about as close as it gets, but but uh, that's that's a start. All right. So we're not going to be in the book of Jeremiah today. We're going to be in Psalm. 138. As, as So when Chuck's back with us in a couple of weeks, we will be in Jeremiah, so That's we'll bring right. that back up. <laughs> as we get into Psalm 138, there, there, here's our focus, is this idea that God is majestic and exalted by everything he does. So we're going to look at this passage in three sections, and we're going to see different things the psalm tells us about why his name is exalted. But before we get into Psalm 138, uh, Chuck, do you have any? Can you give us just some background on what we know about this psalm? Yeah, we know that this is this is the first of a series of eight psalms attributed to to David. The the last of those psalms attributed to David in the in the Book of Psalms. We don't know the specific context of the of the writing. Uh, it, it appears that David had sought God uh, in some type of prayer, maybe. God had rescued him from someone or something, or maybe this was just a, a prayer of, of deep gratitude. But we know that David sought God in prayer, and God did what God does. God graciously responded. God graciously heard. And as a result of that, David, in essence, just erupts in praise with all of his with his, all of his being, with his with his voice, with his heart, with his posture. Uh, just praising God for for who He is, for for being love, for being truth, and you just get this sense that that you're, you're eavesdropping on this majestic moment, looking at the the majesty of God. So, Chuck, you mentioned um, somewhere in your writing that uh, David makes reference to bowing down to your holy temple, which seems to indicate that it would be a late writing in David's life. Yeah, that's that's certainly a possibility. Depending on when you look at the the writing, uh, or the timing of the writing, at the same time, it clearly would suggest whether it's a reference to the to the temple, to the the temple that will come, or the tabernacle. It would be an indication of the the very presence of God among His people. That's that's the amazing part of this. This is a God who dwells among His people. Well, let's look at this psalm as we look at the first three verses. We're talking about God being majestic and exalted. It's because of his love and truth. Verse one, I will give thanks with all my heart. I will sing your praise before the heavenly beings. I will bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your constant love and truth. You've exalted your name and your promise above everything else. And on the day I called, you answered me. You increased strength within me. A couple of things grab my attention here that that we were we're referring to God's constant love and God's constant truth. This is this is who He is. God's steadfast love for us, and David recognizes that. And as he seeks God, and God has heard his prayer, David notes that that God's response to his prayer strengthens him, and that's that's important for us to recognize that the the God that we serve, we run to Him in prayer, 
God graciously responds to us, and just knowing that he does that ought to ought to embolden us, ought to strengthen us to be the people of God that he has called us to be. I love the fact that David, um, in this in the introduction to the psalm, talks about uh, these things, talks about thanking God with all of his heart, praising God, bowing down before him. Um, you mentioned posture earlier, um, that that uh, this sense of humility, of understanding the greatness and the awesomeness of God and what it looks like to be in his presence. So we see these attributes in David's life of his desire to thank and praise God and to bow before him. But Chris, with that, this idea of where David was, he said, I will bow down toward your temple. It's that that position, that posture he's in. I got the processing that. I assume that's he's down on his, his hands and knees uh, or just prostrate there. But think about our own posture when we pray. What is what does our posture say about our own attitude toward prayer? I just it's something for me to think about because how many times I pray and I'm just sort of slouching in my chair, <laughs> just kind of casual. And we tend to be um, people who are self-sufficient, some with an element of pride. Um, but when you think about David, this is this is the leader. This is the king. People come and bow before him on a regular basis. And to see him as king have this posture of humbling himself and bowing for, before God is really powerful. And I think this, this reminds us, as we, as we think literally about our posture, I, I think there's certainly a place for us to walk through the day and have an ongoing conversation with the Father. That's that's our relationship with him. But I think it's also right for us sometimes to push away from the busyness and just get on our face before God. That's, that's contrary often to the way we've been taught to pray. We, we use the language, but I don't know that we think about literally just getting on our face. I, th- I think there's a place for that, that that is an indication I'm going to slow down my life here and I'm going to focus the best I can and be with the Father. That's a good statement, Chuck, because I, I like to pray while I'm driving, which is a good thing. I don't close my eyes, but there's value as as I'm just sitting there driving, I can pray. When I get in that position where I'm on my knees before God, I don't have a phone in my hand. I don't have a steering wheel in my hand. It's just me and God. And I find when I do that, I am more focused uh, in my praying. So our posture doesn't is important. I I agree. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. I also pray in my car. I also pray walking across the campus. But there, there's just something different when I close my door to the busyness outside in my office and I get on the floor with with God. Well, as we see here that David has talked about, uh, we exalt God because his name, because of his constant love and truth. We move on, we get into chapter, verse four, and there's also, there's this idea of his promises that God has for us. David said in verse four, all the kings on earth will give you thanks, Lord, for they, when they hear what you have promised, they will sing of the Lord's ways for the Lord's glory is great. Now, I just want to process this for a moment. All the kings on earth will give you thanks? Yeah, David trusts that there, 
there will be a day when others will hear about his God and recognize the, the beauty and the majesty of his God. David looks forward to a time when that message goes from God's people to the, to the nations. And all of that lands with us in the, in the Great Commission, that we're to make disciples of all the peoples of the world. And we, we have the privilege of being a part of that. Chuck, you do some work with the International Mission Board. And in, um, in your writing for the Daily Discipleship Guide, you talk about your passion uh, for world missions. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Sure, sure. What I do with the with the International Mission Board is I am the team leader for theological education strategist. So I work with uh, a number of couples that are uh, helping to do theological training around the world. Now there are a bunch more people with the IMB doing that kind of work. I just have a group that I work with directly, and I'll tell you why why that comes to mind. Even for this this song, Chris is. I've been in places in the world where I have watched people pray to a God that they fashioned with their own hands, who had ears but he couldn't hear, and you grieve. You grieve what you see taking place. And then I'm reminded, that's not our God. Our God came to us. Our God is the one and only true God, the majestic God. The God who invites us into his presence through the, the shed blood of his son. The God who wants us to come before his throne boldly. Uh, and he graciously hears us when we pray. And that, for me, uh, strengthens me just knowing that that's who our God is. And what's fascinating for me is a lot of that in this passage, that he's again talking about these kings of the earth are going to praise you because... They've heard of your promises, and I think we see we see this in the in the scriptures as well. I mean, you go back to Pharaoh uh, in the Book of Exodus, where God uh, God kept speaking through Moses and Aaron to them. Pharaoh, this is what's going to happen. So there was a sense they saw God do exactly what He said He was going to do. Uh, we see that twice in the Book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar later on with Darius, where Darius uh, Daniel's in the lion's den. And yet God protected uh, his servant, Daniel. And so here's these uh, these kings in this sense uh, are a testimony that when they hear what God has promised, there's a sense of giving thanks to him. Uh, just reminds me that as I think about God's promises in my life, that should draw me to be thankful to him and be public in my expression of thanks to him. That's right. And it assumes, one, that we know the promises— and so that takes us back to what we're doing here, looking at the word. If we don't know the promises, we can't celebrate the God who gave us the, the promises. So we so we know those promises, and then we watch for God's God's gracious act to keep those promises. And then to your point, we need to honor that God through praise. We need to erupt like David did. Our God keeps his word to us. And that ought to make us want to worship him with all of our being and bow before him. One of the uh, questions that we use as a discussion question in the personal study guide uh, gets at that issue of the promises of God. What are the promises of God that are most meaningful to you? So we hope that this kind of question will 
cause people to think about the promises of God and have a conversation around the very thing that we're talking about here. That, that's good. And I think about, I think about how many, how many times in my in my spiritual journey, uh, this uh, as we're recording this within the next uh, week, I will celebrate my 49th spiritual birthday, uh, and I. I think back to the early days when I was a new believer but wasn't really discipled, and I look at the days of struggle and the days of questioning, and on, on the my weakest moment, God never left. God, God uh, has never forsaken me, uh, and that's that just keeps me motivated, keeps me moving forward, trusting those promises. We talked earlier about David and his bowing down that position of humility he put himself in and he in a sense he kind of comes right back to that as we come into verse six though the lord is exalted he takes note of the humble but he knows the haughty from a distance if i walk into the thick of danger you will preserve my life from the anger of my enemies you will extend your hand your right hand will save me the lord will fulfill his purpose for me lord your faithful love endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. Here's David just saying, again, God should be exalted because he cares for us in our humility. Yeah, that's right. And as David sees God's hand in his past tense, in his present tense, he recognizes that life to come could still be tumultuous at times, that only God knows what we're going to face in the days to come. But but he knows this. He knows the Lord's faithful love will, will be with him. He knows that God is going to take care of him, that God's right hand is going to hold on to him. And so even as he as he concludes the, the song with do not abandon the work of your hands, uh, there's there's really more of a sense of assurance in that, that he knows that this is what this is the God he serves, that God is not going to abandon him. So there's a, there's a sense of confidence in that, even as he concludes this this psalm. You referenced God's faithful love uh, in earlier in the uh, first section of Scripture. There's that reference to the Hebrew hesed that you mentioned in your writing. Talk a little bit about uh, the significance of that word, Chuck. Yeah, that's a it's a it's a recurrent theme in the Scriptures that the the, the love that God has for us is a consistent, faithful ongoing, undying love uh, that marks who he is. Uh, it, it is the, the very nature of God that he loves us with that kind of love and exhibits uh, truth in himself, love in himself as he extends himself to us. This is a great psalm just to remind us, as David said, he's majestic. God is majestic and he's should be exalted in everything he does because of his love, his truth. He takes care of us. Great passage, but so what? What do we do with this? <laughs> uh, I think it's important that we talk about how we connect this to our lives. How do we live out the same truth that David sought to live out? Uh, Chuck, let's take a moment. You shared in the Daily Discipleship Guide on the page we call Live It Out. You shared some great ideas of how we can live out the principle and the truth in this passage. Let's talk about those for just a moment. Okay. Uh, one of those was and is uh, worship 
God with music. Uh, we, we started this conversation uh, thinking about songs, uh, but now I, I turn that to thinking about, even for me, I think back to hymns that I first learned as a, as a new believer a long time ago. And even now, some of those, some of those hymns uh, can echo in my head, even though I haven't sung them in a long time. When I hear them again, uh, they remind me that the God, the God I met in that song way back then is, is still the God who is faithful to me today. And I think there's real value in our finding those songs that, that just take us into the presence of the Lord and make sure we're, we're putting them into our head. When, when the world is, is sending us so many other contrary messages by, by letting the music settle in us, uh, whether they're, they're hymns, praise choruses, instrumental music that I often use when I'm, when I'm running, it just turns our attention to uh, the things of God. And I think when we do that, we can sing his praises like, like David did. So that's one uh, suggestion for living this out. A second, I want us. I want us praying for leaders. I I fear that particularly uh, believers in North America, we're we're geographically ignorant. Sometimes we we don't know what's happening around the world. Uh, and if we want if we want the kings of the world, the leaders of the world, to come to know Christ, we need to pray for them. We need to pray that. The Lord would send somebody across their path, and they would hear of the promises of God. They would hear of the mercy and the grace of God, and and they would turn to 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 Him. I even I even put it this way: we we need to pay more attention to the news, whether we watch it, listen to it, read it. I don't care how we do it, but we need to let the news trigger our praying. So this nation is in war. Who's praying for their leaders? Uh, these refugees are are scattered around the continent. Who's praying for the leaders of of those countries? That that the news itself can just draw us to pray for leaders and kings that they would they would know the majesty of of our God. And then third, I just want us to praise God. And I think one of the ways we can do that is to find even a basic theology book look look at the attributes of god uh study who is god this god who is who is unchangeable who is wisdom who is love uh who is filled with grace we just focus on him and be filled with wonder again a little bit so that it's almost as if we can't help but erupt in praise like like David did, so it takes an intentional effort to say, "I'm going to, I'm going to study more the attributes of God." Maybe, maybe our listeners want to talk with their their pastor or uh, another small group leader, somebody else that can help direct them to uh, resources or walk with them in that study, so that they just spend time learning about God and, and praising Him. I tell you, the more you learn about, I, I have learned about the name of God. The more I focused on those attributes the more I'm drawn to praise and worship Him. 
Well said, Dr. Lawless. Thank you very much. So this has been a great podcast. Thanks, uh, Dr. Lawless, for being with us. And again, you'll be with us in a couple of weeks. So we're looking forward to hearing from you again. Lynn, thanks for leading our conversation. Most of all, we want to thank those of you who are listening to our podcast. We appreciate you doing that and hope that it's beneficial to you. If it is, share this podcast with others so that they have the opportunity uh, to, to listen as well. And we look forward to being with you again next week.